three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast episode. Oh, I think it's one forty two. One forty. I think it's one forty three. Maybe is it? Well, take a look around, everybody. <laughs> We're in a new location. You're right. One forty three. Um, we yeah. moved the podcast studio. <laughs> Yeah, we are. Uh, we're in the Christmas Wonderland. Yeah, I uh, I threw Josh a curveball when he got here. Sure did. Where I've been brainstorming over the last like four days. Mm-hmm. What new thing can we start doing? Yeah, and I came to the assumption that I could move the podcast studio into my basement, my Christmas bar, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm making sure it's my face. Oh yeah, it stays in focus. Perfect. Yeah, I got that eye tracker on you. I know. I see that. That's pretty fancy. <laughs> Um, so here we are. We're in my basement. A little change of scenery for you guys. Yeah. And that means like we're it. fully in the holiday spirit. We spent the last couple of days uh, renovating this uh, basement into a Christmas bar. Yeah. And here we are. It looks great. Hope you guys like it. I'm not sure which one I'm more uh, impressed by, this one or at Miracle. Because you went all out this year. Bro, this year looks <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I feel like each year, one, I keep buying closeout decorations. <laughs> so like like Christmas comes yeah. by, right? And then right after Christmas, they take all their remaining holiday decorations yep. and mark them down like 75%. Yep. And dude, those motherfucking Christmas decorations are so expensive. So expensive. Because like every year I'll go buy like something and I wanted to buy more because I put some lights out in our house uh, the other day and I needed another strand of them. And I went there and I'm looking at them. I was like, these motherfuckers are $75 what? for one strand. And it's a long ass strand. I know. But, wrong. but $75. I was like, there's no way. Because I have like five strands of them already. I was like, yeah. there's no way I paid $75 a piece for these. No. It's because I bought them on the closeout. 75% yeah. off, dog. Yeah, December 26th. <clears throat> We're going back. <laughs> so I'll be going back. But anyways, I've been buying closeout decorations. And then I feel like I'm just learning year by year what things worked and what things didn't work. Right? Okay. So okay. like how I'm hanging the lights. Like last year, I had the lights kind of strung loosely around all the wreaths. And it looked okay. But like I had yeah. to like kind of hinky dink it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Okay. And this year, dude, I wrapped the fuck out of those wreaths got them real lit up yeah and i did it where i wrapped them and then instead of having like a a, shooting out of it i had an extension cord so you only saw the wreath lit up i wrapped other things better you know it's looking good so whatever how uh how tall is that christmas tree you have in there uh 12 foot foot. the 12 footer i would love to have bigger but yeah i think as uh, tall as the ceiling is there (laughs) what I, I don't know if it was Bridget or Paige that posted like the, and they said like the inaugural like Christmas tree lighting at Miracle. <laughs> Dude, we were so late on it this year. I felt like such a freaking bum, but it's like, yeah, we went to Mexico. We got back from Mexico like six days before Thanksgiving. Yep. And then it's like crunch time catching up with things and getting ready for the holiday. Yeah. Then the holiday comes by, then like recovery from the holiday. And there was just like no time yeah. to set anything up, That's you know? Say. So, um, inevitably that means that the staff yelled at me and said, you have to set everything up right now. <laughs> so I got it done. Had to clear week. your schedule for it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it took, it takes me two days every time oh. to do. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, you're, you're usually one of those guys that <clears throat> day after Thanksgiving is the first day of Christmas, right? Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I told, it's funny. I told, uh, I told Kayla, I was like, put something on the calendar, like right now for like February. So we could sit down and have a a 
official holiday meeting. And in this holiday meeting, we are going to go over the plans of what we're decorating, when exactly those decorations are going up and coming down. Okay. Who's going to be doing it? What our holiday parties are going to look like? Yeah. What, you know, because like every year, even the holiday party, right? We um, every year do some sort of holiday party for the staff. Yeah. But also every year, it's like, a week before, we're like, we have to do a holiday party. We should figure out what we're going to do. <laughs> and we planned yeah. it on like six days notice. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Well, you know? Yeah. What was last year? It was the um, Top Golf, wasn't it? Yeah. That was what we did Top Golf for, for the majority of it. Yeah. 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 I'm uh-huh. pre- and I'm pretty sure you were like, like two days before, you're like, hey, we're doing this. Do you want to come? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's- did that. And then um, this year, um, I, I can invite you live on air, actually. Oh, okay. We're going to Kalahari. You're going to Kalahari? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Company trip to Kalahari, so you're okay. invited. Oh, thank I'll you. I'll give you the deets when we get off. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> I like that, though. That's, I, so you I get more place. notice this time for it. Yeah. And we're not doing it until January, so okay. there's a little bit of time. A little, yeah. yeah. This will be different because usually when we go there, it's a bunch of uh, weird anime kids everywhere because we go to the colossal, oh do they do conventions there yeah they do the colossal con is what they call it there i've only been to kalahari one time before yeah. and it wasn't even my idea it was actually kate's idea i was sitting we it was one of the last times we were in detroit okay and we're sitting there i'm like man i was like we gotta figure out what we're gonna do for our holiday party i was like i want to do something like different yeah and i don't want to do just like everybody just kind of gets together and yeah. like hey it's the <laughs> holiday party yeah. and stuff i want to do something different yeah and um she was like what about like we're like thinking ideas and she's like what about kalahari and I was just like, you know what? That's not a terrible idea, actually. Yeah. It's fun. So we're doing that. Yeah. We rented one of those big old cabanas. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the, uh, it's a 16-person whirlpool cabana. Oh, my gosh. It's giant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so those are, cool. Yeah, those are fun. They're like separate <clears throat> from the uh, the building and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know very much about it. So Yeah. Yeah, you'll have a fun time. Dude, the, they have like a, a cave pool bar. It's like Ooh. a hot or a hot tub bar. Yeah. So you go in and it's like you're in the cave and then all of a sudden there's just a bar in the middle. It's like a little tiki bar. I actually think I remember that from the one time that I went. Yeah. It's real it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> Everybody likes water slides, you know? Oh yeah. Everybody wants to go down the little toilet bowl thing. Yeah. I it love the toilet spins bowl. You thing. Around. <laughs> the only ones I don't like is the ones that you you're just like you just bro and the floor just drops out yeah from under i don't you. like that stuff man that yeah. stuff scares me <laughs> that shit's crazy but yeah no that's awesome dude yeah that's pretty cool that you're able to do that too you know for your staff yeah christmas time it's the it's the greatest season you know it is the greatest season josh what was christmas like as a young as a young buck <laughs> for me what was your what are your what are your earliest memories of christmas I mean, <laughs> the the first memories aren't aren't actually that, that not not that they're not great, but it, I I found out I was allergic to Christmas trees, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I what like the the pine or what is yeah that? yeah spruce trees or okay. whatever you call it. Um, <laughs> we we would usually come up here because uh, you know I grew up in southern Indiana, mm-hmm. but uh, we. <laughs> We would go to my grandma's house, and the one year, you know, all the cousins were like, "Oh, we're gonna sleep under the tree, like under it." Yeah, well, you know, like mm. all our sleeping bags in a row. And I woke up, and I couldn't hear anything. I was like, 
and I'd always get ear infections every Christmas. We didn't understand why. And I don't know why it gives me ear infections, but it does. But I woke up and it blew both my eardrums and I was bleeding out of both ears. Oh my God. And I, I run up to where my mom was staying and I'm like, I'm dying. You know, cause I couldn't hear and I can only imagine what my mom thought. Like, Oh my gosh. So after that we had a fake tree for the rest of my Christmases. But, uh, Everything was usually pretty pretty cool. Like, I kind of miss it because we I always had a big family, so we'd always get together, you know, and have the big family party, and everyone get mm-hmm. little trinkets for each other. But it seems like that kind of died off for my family for some reason. I feel like it's like almost inevitable that with a lot of families it does, and it's yeah. such a bummer. You know, it is a bummer. I think it's like as you get old and like, you know, certain family members either move or die and like shit like that. It's like there's always that one or two people in the family that kind of like keeps it all together, you know? Yeah, that was that was definitely my uh, my grandma in Indiana, like my grandma and grandpa, because they would they were the ones it was like every Sunday. It's like Sunday dinner kind of thing. Yeah. And then when they passed, it was just like no one really took the torch. Like we still do stuff for Thanksgiving. But other than that. Yeah. Man, that, that one guy's going to be real upset with you. I hear that over there. Did you hear that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got to fix this stupid cable on these new mics. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it is kind of a bummer. And that's why, like, I really want to start having more, like, I guess, like, Friendsgivings or whatever you want to call it. You know, kind of make your own family kind of thing now. Dude, I, Kate, and I have been brainstorming this idea of creating some sort of annual tradition for yeah. like friends and family, like whoever the fuck wants to come. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. But some sort of creative thing. Okay, so I have a, a, a close friend of mine whose family does every single year, the day after Thanksgiving, they have their inaugural wood cutting party, right? Now, they what? live in Hudson on like 10 acres or some <laughs> shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have like a lot of land and yeah. a lot of fireplaces throughout the family and they have yeah. you know, large families, stuff like that. But they've been doing it like since the 70s or something like that, right? Wow, okay. And every single year, like they've never missed a year. They do this like wood cutting party and they invite friends to it, family. Yeah. And it's so cool. Like we went this year, the day after Thanksgiving and we went out there and basically, you know, they cut wood all day, yeah. right? And then they have a fire and they have like these tables set up with different drinks and cocktails and food and they're cooking sausages over the fire and stuff. And it's like everybody's just sitting outside freezing their ass off, huddled around this fire, (laughs) you know, just having a great time. Yep. Right. It's just it's just so much fun. Yeah. And like there's something about this tradition of because it just you do it every year. Everybody just toughs out the elements yep. and they just go outside and they just have fun together. And, um, you know, it's having something like that, especially on a day like the day after Thanksgiving, like obviously people go Black Friday shopping and stuff, but like a lot of people are generally going to be more free than they would if they did it like on a holiday or, yeah. you know, during the week, like on a random freaking week or something like that. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, so the probability that they get a lot of people together for it is really high. And it's just, it's super cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And we were thinking, we're like, damn, like what can we do that's like some sort of cool tradition like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. That that sounds great. <clears throat> I think the man I hate to be that guy who's like social media tore us apart, you know, but I think yeah, the just the prevalent like the prevalent <clears throat> prevalence, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, of like the social platforms and like you can talk to anyone at any time kind of thing. It just kind of made 
I don't know, even getting together, like almost like a hindrance for people, you know, it's like, why well, gotta go out? We could just talk on the phone or talk over social media, you know? And I, I think, uh, people are starting to see, maybe we kind of miss like hanging out together, you know? I think the, ex- the accessibility of every, everybody, you mm-hmm. know, definitely I could, I could understand your point on you know that what I'm saying? Yeah. from the standpoint of it's like, okay, well, if I could just text you anytime yeah. and call you anytime, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And see you on Instagram anytime and interact with you and know what's going on in your life constantly. Mm-hmm. When we get together, it's not going to be as meaningful because, because yeah. I already know everything about what's going on in your day. We don't yeah. have three hours of catching up to do yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Yep. So I think I, I think I could definitely understand that that yeah. perspective. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. It just it just seems like in my my group of friends, I guess you know, I've seen a lot of that. Where it's like, uh, I don't think I'll go out. You know, yeah. It, it, it's where it was usually back in the day. Like, I mean, maybe it's because we were younger too. I don't know, but um, it was more of a incentive to just go out and have fun. You know, yeah. even if it was just for dinner real quick and then you go home it's like people would hang out you know but yeah. now it's like eh, eh, i'll stay yeah. in and watch my hulu yeah, it's just what happens when you get older yeah maybe okay you ready here's here's the next question okay Mo- okay so that was your earliest christmas memory was you bleeding <laughs> from your ears because you were allergic to the christmas tree yes most memorable christmas gifts you've ever received most memorable christmas gifts man you put me on the spot Mm. Okay, the one that probably changed <laughs> changed my life forever, good or bad, was uh, I got my mom to let me buy a Nintendo sixty four off of eBay. Bro. Um, I uh, <laughs> I wasn't you got it off eBay. Yeah, I got it off eBay in like nineteen ninety seven, so it had been out for a year, but I wasn't allowed to have one at the time. Yeah. And, uh, did it come out in 97, 96, was it? Yeah. Or 95, maybe even late 95. I'm not sure. One of those, but, um, I bought it in like June, but she's like, you can't, you can't have it until Christmas. I was like, what? Isn't that the fucking worst? And then she's like, the other incentive was I will buy you a TV if you do the dishes (laughs) every night until Christmas. So for six she months, those motherfucking much, dishes. every night I every did. Every night. Yeah. And then Christmas came and she'd wrapped everything up for me. She wrapped up the TV. So, mm. and I got to open it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I went from a sports kid to uh, the, the, the fat band nerd video game player <laughs> overnight. The first video game system is always an iconic one. It is. For me, actually, yeah. I would say my, one of my, my couple most memorable Christmas gifts yeah. were one Mine was the Game Boy Color I got for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. And um, that was like my first game system yeah. that I ever had. Oh, and yeah. that thing fucking revolutionized <laughs> my damn life. Right? <laughs> yeah. I had like oh, Pokemon yeah. Crystal for it, I remember. And Dang. I used to just play that bitch okay. all the time. You want me to age myself here? Is I had a Game Boy Pocket. Yeah. Which was before the color. Yep. And my first one was... Uh, uh, Pokemon Red. Red? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The OG, man. I, I still got it. that. I bet you I could sell that for some money, you know. A lot of them are, are worth... I There's these random... There's this one random Facebook page I stumbled upon that, like, <laughs> that comes up in my reels all the time. Yeah. And it's called, like... Uh, 
like DK oldies, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like it's like refer. a real like nerdy guy that's like always like packaging yeah. up orders. Hey man, you just ordered this new N sixty four deal. Let's <laughs> package it up and I'll yeah. throw in a free gift. Yeah. <laughs> like, that guy's crazy. Oh yeah. dude, yeah. I, I watch that one all the time. But so I had I got an N sixty four, I remember the first time. And that was probably right around Christmas. I think it was more of like a birthday gift for me, like okay. when it came out. And same deal, I convinced my my parents to buy it for me off mm-hmm. of like a friend's older brother or something like that. <laughs> and I remember I got the 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 N sixty four and then Goldeneye yeah. and Quake sixty four. Oh yeah, classics, dude. <sighs> Game I, over. Oh. <clears throat> and then uh, uh, you know what's funny is like why is it christmas time? i'm actually like connecting this in my head christmas time i feel like in the gifts you receive for christmas are so iconic because a lot of times it's that thing you wanted for so freaking long right so for me mm-hmm. video game system changed the course of my childhood when <laughs> yeah, i got a video game for system. sure then i got my very first like nice skateboard for christmas one year that yeah. i've been asking for forever Total game changer because that really took me from just like a skateboarding hobbyist to like, that's my identity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I got my first guitar for Christmas also. Oh, yeah. it Yeah. Oh. First guitar, man. Yeah. I got, that was a big one. I got my drum set for Christmas too. One yeah. Year. I can't believe I just, I haven't played drums in so long, but that was how I started music was I was a drummer. Yeah. I got my Tama kit. Tama. The, the Tama Rockstar kit. And then it came with a... God damn it. I'm going to age myself again. It came with a VHS. A VHS. Yeah. And it had... I don't think that really ages you that much. It had a... Uh, what? I almost said Dave Portnoy. It's not Dave. Uh, Mike Portnoy. Mike Portnoy. And... Um, From Dream Theater. Yep. And then the drummer of Rob Zombie. Mm. And they were both on there and they were like... This is how you start your first beat, you know. You know, and I was like sitting there, like watching these guys. I'm like, oh my god! Oh, what's when everybody's? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The the, the alternate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know. And and uh, I actually just had to like get rid of that that drum set finally because it had finally just kind of gone in so far of disrepair that I had to get rid of it but I had it for what almost 20 years you know my my first guitar was this like little shitty PV like that was in one of those sets you oh, know yeah, with yeah, the yeah. little amp and everything yeah I still have that thing somewhere I think it's at my parents house somewhere probably beat to shit <laughs> I used to play that thing so freaking much it was yeah. ridiculous oh yeah yeah, I think dude. those were, those, I mean I think those were definitely the iconic ones though mm-hmm. you know and like those three like for years after I got those three, that's like those were like my gateways into that thing. You yeah, know? yeah. No, you you're completely right. Like <laughs> the the magic of uh, of the Christmas presents, it, it alters lives. Yeah. You know, if you really get something that they want and they run with it, you know. Man, and I hope I hope kids still get that way. You know, like I'm sure they do. I hope so. Oh, speak. Here's a random one, but I was not expecting this. My uh, friend of ours, um, he's he lives in New York, and he he came he comes over like periodically to get cosplay work done from Devin, mm-hmm. and then I'll I'll take some cosplay photos of him. Um, he just like sent us some gifts in the mail, and Devin is like an anxiety ball, so she was like, "Can I just open them now? Let me just open them now." And he's like, "Okay, fine." And he bought like bought us both new Xboxes. 
It was what? Yeah, it's wild because like she doesn't charge him anything, and I I just I'm like you're here and let's just take some photos, you know. And he's wait, got you guys both new Xboxes, so you have two Xboxes. Yeah, one for each of us. Yeah. Why do you both need your own Xbox so we can play together? Is that actually how that works? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Can't can you just play together on the same system? Not, not anymore, really. Really? Yeah, you got to play online. That's online. some serious bullshit. First off. Oh yeah, but it was wild. I was like, "What the heck?" So I came. I literally came back from Pittsburgh, and then that was in the mail. And I was like, "Oh my god, what are you doing, bro?" He's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Merry Christmas." I was like, "Merry Christmas." I was like, "Thank you, man." So I got. I feel. I'm feeling the Christmas spirit lately. <laughs> Hell yeah! I'm like, what? What do we get him now? Like, you yeah, know? that's a, that's hard to follow up on. You know? Yeah, it is. Hell did, yeah! When did I get the sign for you? That the two years ago was I it. Believe. Two years ago, mm. man. I didn't get anything last year. I have to get you something this year. I don't know what. I don't know what now. Now we're gonna be a mobile unit. We don't need gifts. We're a mobile. We're a mobile podcasting unit now. We're gonna start changing up the scenery for you guys. Yeah, I think that'll be fun, dude. I know it, it would be maybe tough to do but even if we did like one in in the shop i think it'd be cool i don't think it would be tough to do at all we would just have to coordinate the problem is i would want to do it in like the main area yeah you know right in the middle (laughs) right in the freaking middle of it and it's not like it would be a problem but like you know when we have fucking 35 dogs in the facility (laughs) it's like if one of them starts acting a fool it's gonna disrupt the entire fucking (laughs) thing yeah it's you like, know it's like oh, sorry <laughs> so we'll see maybe one day i mean the girls do it at the shop um yeah you know they just do it in the other area but the problem is the other area is still just very new right now yeah you know it's it's yeah, it's sense. nice but it's like totally undecorated you yeah know? so the That's visual true. aspect of it just would not be what it could be yeah. but it is what it is we'll that makes sense we'll, we'll do it over there one yeah. of these days do you still have the uh, exposed brick up in the top room yep Okay. Yeah, that would be our best bet is yeah, that's a good doing background. one in there. It's a good background. You still got all those old photos of the, the canvas? All the same ones. They're screwed into the wall. They're not coming down. They're not. <laughs> they're up there forever. I, just, I didn't even hang them like you're supposed to. I just drilled those motherfuckers in. <laughs> so. <laughs> they go with the place. <laughs> um, all right. So we'll start talking about some dog stuff here. <laughs> after we just had our 25-minute fucking <laughs> Christmas special episode. Mm-hmm. Um, here, hang on. Make sure we're rolling. Yeah, 22 minutes. Look at that. Let's go. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, obviously, as we're moving into the holiday season here, um, we're still, you know, making adjustments and stuff. I think I've talked the last couple of podcasts on um, the series that we're doing. Obviously, the two fearful dogs. Yeah. Um, still fucking crushing it. We're coming up on week two. Well, actually, no, we're coming up on the start of week three as of Monday. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, and they, they've been doing great, man. I mean, we just been just just every day what I'm trying to do with them is I'm trying to challenge them with a new thing, you yeah. know? Um, for, we talked about this a lot of times, but like from an obedience standpoint, there's no rush on any of it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm teaching all the obedience. They understand all their leash pressure. I could physically get them into any position that I need to get them in. Yep. But like, are they fully awfully strained yet? No. But is that what they're here for? Like also, no, no. <laughs> right? So yeah. we're picking and choosing our battles. A lot of times when you're working with dogs with serious behavioral issues, you could look at 
a lot of different areas of places that need improvement, right? Mm -hmm. You could look at impulse control issues. You could look at just like really high level obedience training. You could look at socialization. You could look at all these different things, but you can't focus on all of them at the same time. No. At least not with like a really high degree of precision, right? Sure. So with these dogs, we've talked about socialization, number one priority, right? So they've excelled with their dog socialization at this point from the standpoint of they get along with every dog we put them with at this point. Mm. Every now and then they get a little nervous of them, but they're not snapping. They're not like acting out. They're not getting like debilitatingly scared of them or anything like that. Yeah. And they're very, very playful. They're getting along really great with the other dogs. So like we basically have checked that box at this point. Um, public access is the next thing that we're continuing to push. So we've been taking them new places. They've been to Home Depot, obviously. They've been to the park around the corner. They've been to Edgewater now at this point. Um, Today, actually, after we finish this podcast, I'm going to be taking them on some excursions to other uh, indoor places. I might actually take them up to Crocker Park for their training session today um, and just take them around as many people as possible, especially on oh, a yeah. weekend. It's oh. going to be packed up there. <laughs> yeah. So Good luck, we're continuing sir. to progress that kind of stuff, right? Um, handling, right? They were terrible about having collars put on, on and off of them, mm. right? So what did we do? We got past putting collars on and off of them, right? Mm -hmm. Um they were terrible about grooming related things. Nail trims specifically, especially with the one seven, the bigger one, mm -hmm. horrible with nail trims. You're going to see, I think Monday, we have the full YouTube video going up on exactly how we worked through that problem and got him to a place where he's now crushing it with his nail trims, right? Let's go. So we're just isolating all of these individual pieces while simultaneously developing food drive with them, mm -hmm. getting them to a place where... Um, you know, they, they're being responsive to commands and stuff like that. Um, and I'm choosing in that route to try to keep them as motivated and as confident as possible because I'm able to address all these other issues in other places. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that's been a massive thing that we've been focusing on. Another big thing that we've been looking at is, um, our send home lessons that we're doing. Right. So I've been spending a lot more time with our trainers, um, doing send home lessons with them, helping to improve on things they're currently doing in the course of the send home lesson. And today I was doing a send home with, um, with our, our board and train trainer, Seamus, and I was just coaching him through some adjustments he could make to the send home process he does. Right. Obviously, Anytime you're sending a dog home from a board and train, there's 20,000 things you need to go over with yeah. your client, right? Like an infinite amount of things where you could do a 20-hour send-home lesson and you're not going to be able to cover all of it, yeah, right? For sure. So with some dogs, you start, especially dogs that come in with like behavioral modification issues, mm -hmm. a very important skill as the trainer is to be able to pick and choose effectively what are the important things we need to work on in this send-home lesson, right? Yeah. Okay. So getting back to obedience versus behavior, right? Um, we had uh, we, we had a couple dogs go home over the last few days that I sat in on the send home lessons. And I just kind of want to walk through the process of how we chose the things that we ultimately worked on, right? So okay. first dog is this dog, Tofu. Tofu came in with really serious separation anxiety issues, anxiety issues in general. Um, obviously, no obedience training, kind of like a snarky great Pyrenees that just kind of did what he wants to do, mm -hmm. you know, no structure, no rules, stuff like that. Yeah. Owners didn't have him for very long. They had him for six weeks prior to bringing him in for training. Okay. They realized right off the rip, this dude's <laughs> behavior is a problem. We got, we got to get this <laughs> situated. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the first thing that I like to do is when we sit down in a send home lesson is let's figure out and let's hear straight from the owner's mouth 
what exact like like if this first week there was like four things that if these things were perfect or we got these behaviors under control, my life would be drastically changed with the dog. We try to figure those things out, right? Mm-hmm. So the biggest one right off the rip, and they even mentioned it like six times over the course of the first like 20 minutes of the lesson, right? Mm. The first one was that they couldn't even leave the house, right? He was so bad in his crate, right? They couldn't confine him half the time because he Mm -hmm. wouldn't go in for them. If they left him out, he would destroy things and eat stuff. And not only was that dangerous to him, but obviously you can't have all your stuff getting destroyed constantly. So Mm -hmm. through looking at that, we could say, okay, well, there's 27 different areas in our day-to-day that by addressing those things we could gain leverage for the bigger things like this right Mm -hmm. like that's that's obviously one way to look at it and it's not incorrect or the other thing is we could just look at this specific issue and make sure we have an immediate game plan for how they could start addressing it right Mm -hmm. so in choosing that we would take a dog like that and we would say okay well before i work on Anything else, before I work on sit down, come, heal, this, that, right, I'm going to focus on making sure this dog can really easily get into the crate. We have a way to hold him accountable for being in the crate. We have a way to keep him calm while in the crate, and we have uh, ways to ensure that he can't get out of the crate once he's in it, right? Mm. So let's say the first hour of the send home lesson consists exclusively of working on all of our crate-related things. Mm -hmm. And because we had to spend an hour on that specific thing, we didn't have time to get to his off-leash recall, right? Or we didn't have time to get into socialization with other dogs. Mm -hmm. Or we didn't have time to get into nail trims or bed stays or any number of those types of things. The the way off and the like risk-to-reward of what things do we save for later in our follow-up sessions Mm. is skewed in our favor where we're going to be able to go home and they're going to be able to focus on exclusively the things that they need. Yeah. Right. And I think as trainers, a lot of times we get a little too hung up on our routines of the things we need to teach. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of trainers that winds up being the obedience related tasks, Mm -hmm. right? They'll focus on, all right, well, whether it's that dog or whether it's a dog that's just really impulsive or whether it's a dog with aggression issues the first thing the owner needs to learn is basic commands and communication because it's going to help facilitate them being able to ask the dog to do different things and stuff like that and they're not wrong but those things without showing the owner the application of those specific things into their exact problem behaviors are useless right Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter if they can get that dog to do a perfect down state or a Mm -hmm. perfect bed state or walk beautifully off leash down the street if they still don't know what a proper routine of kenneling the dog up before they leave the house (laughs) and coming back home is going to be you know what i mean it's not going to help anything yeah and sometimes what we'll do is like as we're working through the send home lesson, right? And we're working on all those obedience training things if we're not, if we're kind of neglecting the things that we're supposed to be doing, is that we'll answer the questions of they'll be like, okay, well, what do I do when I need to leave the house? How do I create the dog? And we'll answer it, but it's like almost like an afterthought how we're answering it. This is what yeah. I see a lot of times with trainers, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and that might answer the question in the moment, but when they go to actually put it into practice in a place where they had been previously having a lot of issues, unless they've seen you work through it, mm. they're not going to know what to do. Yeah. So 
that's something we've been putting a lot of time into and I've really been driving home with uh with our boarding trains lately is is customizing that send home lesson to mm-hmm. the individual dog that you're working with. Like there's yeah. just so many dogs I've worked with that I've sent home over the last year that the send home lessons from one dog to the other could not be more different mm. because it's unique to the situation in which the dog actually needs, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, <laughs> I mean, that, that makes a hundred percent difference. <laughs> I think for like, I know we've talked about, you know, trainers that just have that cookie cutter approach where it's just blanket statement on everything they do you know Mm -hmm. and why that doesn't work because every dog has its own different problems and we've also talked before is when you do that and you just overload the people with all this information it doesn't really help maybe the 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 root cause of the whole reason they're getting the board and train in the first place yeah you know yeah and and just just practicing routines is so important like so many problems mm-hmm. you're having with your dog comes down to just having a bad routine for it like i can look at oh, yeah. anything that i do with my dogs whether it's how i let them outside to go to the bathroom right whether it's how i take them down to their kennel mm-hmm. when i go to leave the house whether it's how i take them down to feed them if i'm not going to be putting them in their kennel whether yeah. it's what i do when i have somebody come over the house literally when we go for a walk if we're going to go into a store like anything that i do with my dogs I could confidently say that there is a 100% consistent routine to how I do that thing. Mm. Maybe once in a blue moon it changes for whatever reason, but if it's going to change, there's always a mental thought going on in my head of like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this differently than I normally do. Is this going to turn into a problem? Mm. Right? Yeah. And I don't think, I, I know for a fact that your majority of owners don't think like that obviously why would they right like it's they're not dog trainers obviously so by showing them these things and explaining like the kennel routine for example right like how we put our dog into a crate and we have them stay in there for prolonged periods of time and what we do when we get home to let them out and what Mm -hmm. happens as soon as we let them out you know like all of those little details, if it's inconsistent and changing constantly, mm-hmm. what's going to happen is if you're having problems in that area, the dog will never be able to grasp this like consistency, right? Mm-hmm. They'll never be able to grasp the routine to become then confident in, yeah. which will create a lot of problems, right? Yeah, it makes um, sense. You know, even things like, like I'll, I'll talk to people with that, that have dogs that have kennel issues, for example, mm-hmm. right? And it's like when they leave the house, like, there's three different things they might do with the dog. Yeah. You know, sometimes they might kennel the dog. Other times they might like put the dog in the room that the kennel's in and close the door, but leave the crate door open. Other times they leave them totally loose. Like, (laughs) you know, other times they stick them in the laundry room. Like it's, there's so many different routines that that's going to constantly keep the dog in this panicked stress state of they don't know what to expect half the time. Right. Or when they go for walks, right. If you go from, you know, 50% of the time walking your dog and never allowing them to interact with anybody or any dogs, 25% of the time allowing them to interact with dogs, but nothing else. 25% of the time allowing them to interact with people, but nothing else. It's like every time you go out and about, the dog is not going to be able to expect what is it like I'm walking by this person. What's about to happen? Mm Mm-hmm. Are they going to let them come up to me? Are they going to let them come up to me? And then once they come up to me and see that I'm scared, make them go away. Are they going to let them come up to me? And then when they interact with me and see that I'm scared, not tell them to go. You know what I mean? Like it's like if that constantly is changing, 
all the time, that is why your dog is always going to be in a state of being on edge every time they walk by a person. And the same deal applies with dogs. There's a reason why we tell people, we were doing a sign-home lesson today too, and we were out at the park Mm -hmm. and we're walking by dogs, walking by people. And there's a dog that never really was able to do that before. And they're like, this is amazing. They were like, you know, what, what if somebody asks if they could pet the dog? I was like, no. We don't allow people to interact with our dog while we're out on walks. And yep. we don't allow dogs to come and interact with our dog out on walks. And, you know, this couple was very open. They're like, okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But other people will push back on it. They'll be like, yeah. well, why not? I was like, well, by not allowing it, we've created a consistency that mm-hmm. the dog can expect that every time they walk by a person or a dog, they have nothing to be concerned about. Mm. Nothing at all. They don't even have anything to be excited about. Mm-hmm. nothing at all just neutral right yeah. it doesn't mean anything right so now that we've got them there you want to start adding back in the inconsistencies that caused the problem in the first place yeah and you're going to see it regress back to that point right mm-hmm. you know socialization we talk all the time is, is something that you know it, it's less is more the less we do it the more we have control over the areas we are doing it and the more ability we have to ensure that it goes successfully you know yeah so uh, it's interesting, you know, like that's that's a, a big area we've been looking at is just making sure all of our programs have this element of personalization to it. And all of them have that already. But what I'm kind of getting at is finding new ways that the client can really feel that the, the program is customized to them. You know what I yeah. mean? By sure. the beginning of that send home lesson, the first 20 minutes or so while we're letting the dog get its wiggles and stuff out of his system and let mm. the owner reconnect with the dog and stuff like that, yeah. really going over and asking detailed questions about their their routines and their day-to-days and, uh, you know, g- getting into the, the weeds of other things. Because, you know, today's, for example, we were talking about exactly this with them. And they were talking about how the dog had some resource guarding issues, a little reactivity and this and that. And... I was just kind of asking follow-up questions to it. You know, and they wrote all this down in their questionnaire, and we, and we mm-hmm. read it all, obviously. But I'm asking follow-up questions and follow-up questions, and we kind of got down far enough in asking these questions where we got to the root of there was actually a whole separate problem mm. that they weren't even aware of that wasn't put on it that okay. by getting into the weeds of their situation, we were able to dissect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? We see that a lot. We'll see that. You know, when we go and do uh, in-home lessons with people sometimes, you know, we don't need to go into the house in order to help solve issues. But sometimes when we go into the house, there are some glaring problems that we'll see pop up that didn't seem like issues before, but Mm -hmm. actually are massive issues when you actually put them into practice. I'll give you an example of one we saw recently. Maybe a couple weeks ago, I went and did an in-home lesson with a client who has this uh, cattle dog mix, right? And uh, the mm-hmm. dog is is just loud and noisy and, and reactive, <laughs> and he's he's just a, he's yeah. a handful. You know, you have one, right? Oh yeah. And um, you know, a lot of their issues were with his overstimulation when guests would come over, right? Mm-hmm. Or when people would leave, he would get really overstimulated. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had some solutions to work on it, and we were you, we were moving it in the right direction. It was getting better, right? But. I went to the house for the first time, and as soon as I walked into the house, there's two other dogs there as well. It was it was actually chaos from all ends of the spectrum. Okay, right, like <laughs> like 
obviously that particular dog was loud and noisy and annoying, yeah. right? But he was actually under control. They were able to get him into a mm. bed stay and get him focused and stuff, right? Mm. The other dogs simultaneously were going buck freaking wild, <laughs> right? But the yep. difference was the buck wild with the other dogs wasn't as disruptive. The mm. one was a little bit smaller. His bark, I mean, this is a big thing people people overlook all the time. His bark was a pitch in which it doesn't, doesn't annoy <laughs> the fuck out of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a big difference between if you have a dog that just has like a woof, woof, woof yeah. bark versus a dog like some of these cow dogs like, ah, ah, ah. oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? It's at that pitch yeah. where it's like painfully yeah. right in your ear yeah. and so obnoxious. We're like, oh, even yeah. though both dogs are doing the exact same fucking thing, yeah. this one is the problem. Right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so whatever. So, so we noticed like, like all of the dogs were going freaking crazy. Yeah. Right. And, and up until this point, we had done quite a bit of training with this dog already. Right. Yeah. Up until this point, we hadn't met the other dogs. Oh, right. Okay. So we go in and I'm just like, <laughs> guys, like, it's kind of a lot right now, yeah. you know, and they, they were aware of it. They knew it was yeah. right. And they had, you know, discussed the idea of possibly doing some, some training with the other dog. For right. Sure. So that was like the deal sealer of like, yo, if we really want to get this under control, we got to get all of this under control. Yeah. It can't just be one, right? Like it's, yeah. and yeah. it's not that I look at it from the standpoint of, you know, one of the dogs is going to be jealous of the other one, not having any rules or anything like that. Yeah. It's just, they all are going to feed off each other to some extent. And no, yes, right. I am a firm believer that, you know, no matter what one dog is doing, this one should still keep itself under control. Yeah. But when you're dealing with arousal issues and stuff, keeping it under control, he might physically be keeping himself under control, but mentally he's spiraling still because of what the other dogs are doing. Right. Yeah. So let's make it easier on him and let's make it easier on ourselves by every time we get all of these dogs down a couple of notches and makes everything a little calmer for us, you yeah. know? So <clears throat> that's a situation where we saw like, hey, that, this, this is a different problem that we had to see by going into the scenario mm -hmm. uh, in order to see it. And, and since they've been able to get an e-collar for the other dog and start disciplining for some of the nonsense with that dog, which they said have just brought everything down like a couple notches as far mm -hmm. as intensity is concerned. Yeah. So I know we've talked about it before, too, where <laughs> it's like people think it's this dog, but it's sometimes the other dog yeah. that really instigates everything and just puts it over the top. Yeah. Well, because if you look at it, right, I was thinking about figuring out a way to word this, right? I think I, <laughs> yeah. I, think I stole this from Wes Watson, actually. Perfect. I love it. Shout right. out Wes Watson. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, Wes Watson talks about, you know, people always, he's got this quote, like, people always message me and they say, Wes, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to help get past these issues? And he says, I'm going to say it just like him. He says, motherfucker, who do you need to become? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And let's, let's take this back a second, right? If you, a lot of people message us all the time, right? And uh -huh. they say, David, the dog trainer, what do I need to do in order to help my dog stop attacking other dogs? Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to help my dog not be anxious when I come over the house? Yeah. To which I say, <laughs> who do you need to become to have a dog that's not attacking people that come over? Yeah. And have a dog that's not fighting the other dogs in your house. For sure. And have a dog that's not jumping all over Aunt Susie every time she comes over. Yeah. 
And I'll tell you, truer words could not be spoken. Yeah. So let me equate this back to what I was talking about to people who think one dog is the issue and the other one is not. Yeah. Let's reframe. Let's let's reframe everything we look at from that lens of not what we do, who do we become, mm-hmm. right? If we look at it as this dog is the problem and this dog is not the problem, you could do all of the right things with this dog, but who you are is still the owner of the untrained dog that thinks that you could just get away with doing nothing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If you look at people that get easy dogs that live normal dog owner dog relationship lives yeah. right generally speaking they're not much of anything to their dog they just have an easy dog yeah and this is not a knock on those people especially the ones that are seeking help for other dogs that they have right yeah but the reality of the matter is i keep kicking this goddamn thing <laughs> but the reality is who you are is still the owner of the dog that has no knowledge of how to communicate with an animal, has no sense of authority, right? Because you've just gotten lucky with, I don't really need to do a whole lot. This dog is just good, right? Yep. So you could try to do all of the individual things you need to do of, well, I told him no one corrected him here. I asked for a sit command in this place or whatever it may be. But if you at your core do not become somebody who just can view behavior as appropriate or inappropriate and feels like the kind of person that would establish a rule, a boundary, and would be the person that will enforce their rules and boundaries, Mm -hmm. you're never going to get anywhere still. Yeah. Right? It's 100%. So that that is the biggest thing, man, is is and I still to this day hear it all the time. I, I was overhearing Michelle in a lesson the other day. I was uh, I think doing doing a send home with Seamus. Mm-hmm. I overheard her in a lesson and, and the the client said just jokingly, he's like, you know, this is just as much training for us as it is the dog. Mm-hmm. And we hear that exact line all the time over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And he's hundred percent right, obviously. Yeah. But training always is it's it's never about the dog. No. It's never about the dog, mm-hmm. you know? No. It's all about who we are, which will then help guide the dog's behavior, mm-hmm. right? But it all so. starts with us. Yeah. And it ends with us. Boom. <laughs> so, I don't know. I stole that little tidbit. I, I've been yeah, trying like to figure that. out new ways to <laughs> add it into like, yeah. how can I how can I actually use this in practical mm. communication with clients? Yeah. You know what I mean? In a way that they understand. Because anybody can say, oh, yeah. motherfucker, who do you need to become? Right? <laughs> yeah. But like, what does that mean? You know? like, What does that mean? How do you articulate that you need to become something in order to influence something else? Because yeah. that's it. Like, how do you just grasp if I become something else? Right? If I become a different version of myself. Mm-hmm. That ultimately, the things around me are going to behave differently in my presence. Mm. You could look at this from a human standpoint, right? There's a mm-hmm. reason why when people level up in their life and then they go and hang out with their old friends and stuff, the reception is different. You've become something different. So those people around you act differently in the presence of you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, I... <laughs> this is kind of a different way to interpret it, I think, but I just remembered when I was in kindergarten the kid that sit right back next to me, Josiah, Josiah, hope you're doing great, Josiah, shout out Josiah, but he was the wild child, you know? Yeah. And it's like all of us knew what we should be doing. 
and we usually did it, but Josiah would be the instigator. He'd be like, Hey, let's, you know, let's throw this across the room or Mm -hmm. whatever. And then kids that knew better would just start doing it for no reason, just because Josiah was doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. and the teacher had to like kick him out or whatever. And then everything would go back to normal. But I mean, I kind of see it the the same kind of way. It's like you're behaving, but then the other dog, you know, is like Josiah. He's just like, and you're like, man, I kind of want to do that. I I know I shouldn't, but I kind of want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, and I I think that's like kind of an instigating thing for the dog that is doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, people that have multi-dog households and stuff that, you know, they'll do training with just one of them. Mm -hmm. I notice a massive difference between the clients that start halfway through that program asking Mm -hmm. me questions about things their other dog is doing right (laughs) that prior to they never would have realized was a problem and i look at that not as i mean some could say well the trained dog is getting better so they're becoming aware of how good a dog can be Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. or you could view it from the lens of they're becoming a different type of dog owner Mm. and their threshold and tolerance to behavior is changing very true right yeah you don't you don't know what is wrong until you get shown it's wrong sometimes until no. you show the light show the light change be a better person yeah 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 no, that's cool so i don't know so i'm figuring out figuring out how to articulate that you know mm-hmm. breaking into new terms for people i like it yeah. um you know one thing i i was thinking about while we we were talking about that is um you know, when, when somebody comes to you and I, I think this is kind of a more of a for upcoming trainers, right? Um, when someone comes to you and then you can tell that they have a, like a, a specific problem that they need taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like what what um like looking at what they need to like if one on ones or in home or board and train, like how how is a good way to figure out what is the best way way to help this client, you know? Yeah. Like like they have like specific issues ongoing or something, you know? This is a good question, right? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, when I do calls with new clients, like Mm -hmm. we only offer two programs. We offer a one-on-one program and we offer a board and train program. There's not different tiered ones or anything like that. Yep. There's one that allots us, more than enough time to work through 99% of behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. And then there's a board and train that allots us time to work through 99.9% of behavioral issues, yep. right? So I'm confident in either of them that yeah. we can get past any issue, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't care if you do one-on-ones or a board and train, you're going to have to put in an equal amount of work, yeah, right? It's sure. just, are you front loading the work <laughs> or back loading or backloading the work, yeah. right? That's really the only difference, mm-hmm. right? You're kind of front loading it with the one-on-ones and you're backloading it with the board and train. So some people yeah. just like the idea of like kind of delaying the work a little bit, getting things into a little bit more manageable of a place, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, right? Yeah. But as we start working through things based on the feedback we're getting from our client and based on us asking good questions, like we talked about, you know, yep. as far as how we were able to figure out there was actually different issues with this dog we were working with today mm-hmm. uh, by asking good questions, yep. um, we're going to be able to in real time determine the things we're going to need to do, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and all of our programs are kind of built in a way where it allots us the time and it allots us like resources to like in which like if we need to go do an in-home lesson with somebody, like we can go do mm, it, you yeah. know, or 
we need to go to a park, like we can yeah. go do it or whatever it may be. Yeah, so just sure. in real time, we try to determine like what does this dog need in this moment? Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't we are constantly constantly trying to force ourselves to break away from the the mold of a curriculum. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Because it's important, don't get me wrong, there's mm-hmm. skills every dog should know, mm-hmm. but the more you could keep yourself in tune with the moment and not in tune with any expectation you had going into the session of what you were going to do, yeah. the more you're going to be able to to in real time figure out what that dog needs, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, we are in the process of kind of building out some new programs from mm-hmm. the standpoint of like, we want to offer, <clears throat> we're trying to figure out a a call it a VIP service, if you will, right, that we could offer. So Mm -hmm. like how we have our standard board and train and one-on-one course, Mm -hmm. trying to build out like a VIP board and train and one-on-one course that would, getting back to front loading or back load, it would front load a lot of, a lot of, a lot more individual assessing of situations. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is not, like we don't do like assessments prior to starting the training just because, these are the programs we have. Like, yeah. it's not going to change. Yeah. We're not going to create a different program because of it. It might change the things we do through the program. But yeah. but these VIP programs would front load assessing in different situations, whether it's, like, in the home or in new locations or socialization mm. with other dogs or whatever it may be, yeah. right? And a lot is the time to front load that work and then ahead of time kind of create an individualized curriculum for that dog. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. So we're kind of in the works as far as, um, you know, putting some thoughts together on how we can do that. Yeah. And then with that, I really want to to give people the option to like we've always advertised ourselves as the last training program you'll ever need. Yeah. Right. I always yeah. I always tell people that. And what I mean by that is that you're not going to need to go find another company because we're going to kick you to the curb. Right. Mm-hmm. We stand behind our work. Right. When people come in for training services. If they're having issues, we're going to figure out solutions for those issues. Mm-hmm. We're not going to like charge you out the fucking wazoo where yeah. it's like we get to the end of the 10 sessions. It's like there's still these like couple things we need to do. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, 500 more dollars, please. 600 more dollars, which believe it or not, almost every training company out there operates that way where once mm-hmm. you're done, they're done. <laughs> pay me some more money if you yeah. want my time. Like we've never, ever, ever done that to anybody. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you call me two years later and say, hey, I've been slipping haven't done shit in the last year. I need some help. Like obviously, you know, we charge for those types of sessions, right? We're in this VIP program kind of tossing around the idea of having something where we truly offer like a lifetime, I don't want to say guarantee, but -hmm. like a lifetime follow-up support similar to what we have with our board and train, which is our one year Mm -hmm. follow-up support. Mm -hmm. And it's always advertised as, as needed, right? So Um, you know, if we determine, Hey, you know, this person needs a brush up, you know, they're putting in the work, they're struggling with some issues. Let's, you know, let's help them out. Mm -hmm. We want to figure out a way to extend that to lifetime for Mm -hmm. clients to truly that at that point stand behind, you know, even if it increases the rates, you know, 50 to a hundred percent, right. Uh, at that point you could with 100% certainty know that that investment you're making will truly be the last money you need to ever spend on training for your dog. You know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's pretty cool. So that's something we're kind of pondering a little bit as well mm-hmm. right now and coming up with some uh, specifics as far as what that might look like. Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> so the short version of that would be at the end of the day, 
it's kind of more of what is best for the human to learn. Like, is it easier for them to work through? That's a great way of putting it, actually. Yeah. That I'm definitely going to steal from you. Okay. Which program, it's not about which program is best for the dog. It's about which program fits the human's learning style better. Yeah. Yes. That's that's good. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the the dog's going (laughs) to figure it out whether it's in, you know, one-on-one or or board and train. But I, yeah, I mean, always, and we've talked about this a lot, is the most important part is how the humans retain the information, you know? Yeah. Like, are you a good person, like, backloading it to the end and then, and then it's kind of like all at once? Or do you need the small incremental pieces? Or what's your schedule like? <laughs> are you able to do that, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of things you got to take into account for that, so. I think a lot of people take a lot of pride in mm-hmm. doing it themselves, too. Yes. You know, like with one-on-ones, there's absolutely something to be said about a client feeling like I did this with my dog. Yeah. You know, I didn't need to send them away for you to do the fucking work, right? I did this with my dog, which I got mad respect for, obviously. And past that, you know, obviously, if you do a board and train, keep in mind, if your dog succeeds when you go home, that is still because you fucking did it. Oh, yeah. Right. It has nothing to do with your trainer just worked magic. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's why suddenly, yeah. you know, your dog is well behaved at home because I've seen enough dogs that were oh, yeah. damn well trained in our facility that go home and <laughs> they do not do well. Yeah. I've damn well seen enough of that to know that mm-hmm. if your dog is succeeding at home, that is 100% because of you and you need to fucking pat yourself on the back because yeah. of that too. Is <laughs> it a. Uh... We gave you the blueprint. Now you got to build the house, right? Oof, I like that too. <laughs> You're gonna take all. I'm, I'm, I'm just firing off today. Start yeah. writing it all down. But I mean, that, that really is what it is at the end of the day. You know, it's how are you gonna handle everything afterwards or yeah. during? You know. Yeah. So. So that's what we've been doing, man. I'm telling you, the end of the year. Every time it comes mm. around, we get in full. What are we going to do? What changes? Who are we going to become for the new year? That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does get into that. So like we we're, we just, look, like I said, like right now, it's like board and train. Like, hey, let's let's look at these send home lessons with a magnifying glass, right? Let's mm-hmm. figure out how we could make these send homes more customized to the individual dog's needs. Yeah. You know? You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but uh, there's a new season of Kitchen Nightmares that's uh, airing right now. Oh, is it? Yeah, they're great. But last night he was at this uh, this hot dog place in Jersey. Okay. But they had their this this year is their 95th year, and like they're having a terrible time, you know. Yeah. But her excuse for everything was, "Oh, this is just how we've al- it's how we've, we've always we've, done yeah, it. Yeah, we've how we've always done it." And and the thing that he kept saying was. You know, well, you can't do it like that anymore. I know I, I can't do the English accent, but that was a pretty good one, though. Yeah, but he's like, you have to change. Like, you have to keep up. You have to keep fresh. Like, yeah. yes, you can still be an iconic hot dog place, but you gotta, you have to keep up with the times and keep changing and keep adapting. What a brutal feeling that must be to have been in business for ninety-five years. Yeah. Right. Ninety five years. And then now it's like all of a sudden things fall off. Like if you made it ninety five years, you could fucking make it forever. 
right? Oh, yeah. But like you just said, it is going to take constant evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what happens, especially with businesses like that, where obviously it's been generational, yeah. right? It's It's gone down, whether or not generational from family, but through different owners, obviously. But like <clears throat> probably the first owner or the first two owners was constantly evolving it to meet the times. Oh, yeah. And then it switches hands and then you get into the hands of somebody who doesn't have that mind for things mm -hmm. and they try to just operate as if they've always operated. But that mentality is flawed in and of itself, right? Yep. It isn't how things have always operated. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you did that same mentality is driving you into the ground, it didn't take 95 years to drive it into the ground. No. Right? Exactly. It took a stretch of time of you getting complacent for that to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like her grand, I think it was her grandfather that started and then her dad and then she took it over, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's easy for places to get like, oh, this was the groove and like, yeah, it worked, you know? And I, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, that's all right. I was just going to say, I, I saw a, a reel, I think yesterday maybe, and it was with that Patrick Bet Davis guy from mm -hmm. Valuetainment. Okay. Um, and he was talking, he was on a podcast and he's talking about, you know, the mortgage industry, right? And mm -hmm. people in the mortgage industry, you know, two years ago were making fucking half a million dollars a year, $600,000 yeah. a year, right? Just yep. hustling off these mortgages, like fucking hot, like just giving them away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm making all this money and now nobody's selling homes, right? Interest rates mm -hmm. are fucking sky high. Like, you know, you can, like those same mortgage people that were making half a thousand dollars or half a million dollars a year are now struggling to make $40,000 a year yeah. selling mortgages. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't, I don't know anything about the mortgage industry, but mm -hmm. I would look at like some, the, the way that things have been working aren't working anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to survive, yep. right, and you're going to make it, you need to constantly figure out new ways to evolve then, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know what that is. You know, obviously selling more, like, you know, people buy, if you're relying solely on people buying houses, like, you know, maybe you need to start changing your business model a little bit, yeah. right? And figure out new ways to be able to capitalize and, and, and make some money off of that, yeah. you know? And I think dog training is going to start seeing that. Like, I, I know with 100% with certainty that training because i talked to all my colleagues and stuff like that like we're, we're all in tune with each other and stuff mm -hmm. like that training two years ago three years ago like we could not keep an opening like 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 we were booking fucking like if we let it you know if we didn't grow to like meet the demand of our services we would have had a fucking seven month wait list on stuff mm -hmm. right and now you know we're steady but it's significantly yeah. slower than it was, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that happens. And as that happens, it becomes more important to, with a magnifying glass, take a look at what you're doing and figure out new opportunities within the company mm -hmm. and figure out new ways to separate yourself from the other training companies that are out yeah. there to help yourself stay ahead of the competition. Yeah. You know, and I don't think people do that enough. Mm -hmm. I don't think people have that business mind for it. We were joking about terrestrial the other day, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You know, terrestrial brewing company is a local brewery around here who, who, who's great. Like yeah. the, the owner was a client of mine and, uh, you know, we, we did some collaborations with them and stuff like that. And it just, it was announced on Cleveland magazine that they filed for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Right. Which it sounds like they have a plan in place where they're going to be able to keep the company open and stuff. 
Um, and I don't really know exactly how, obviously, filing Chapter 11 works and all of that. But, yeah. you know, they recently, in the last, like, year and a half, took on all of this fucking liability. They were going to open... They, they all at once went from just being a small local brewery that everybody liked because they were super dog-friendly and they had good beer mm-hmm. to... They rented out the entire fucking building, took out massive leases on the entire building. They were going to create an event center upstairs. They simultaneously opened an entire restaurant to the other side of it, right? A lot. Just, just stretch. And, and obviously with that come costs of renovations and like all of this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And with that comes massive amounts of liability and debt, I'm assuming, right oh yeah and then as the economy continues to shift and turn and like over the last couple years it's just been so unpredictable it's been up it's been down it's been up it's been down it's like it's insane right like it's like people are throwing their money away and then people are just you won't even give a penny away right um but but they decided to go all into like three different projects at once Mm -hmm. and I just think that was just a really, really bad business decision on their end, you know, instead of gradually growing it, like, hey, let's maybe get the restaurant going first, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe instead of renting out a whole separate restaurant, maybe we convert some of this brewery into a small restaurant area, you know, where we don't have to take on all this extra, you know, I get small bites. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, if you stay aware of all this stuff going on around you, it's like you could be really, Mm -hmm. you could be mindful of your own decisions you're making and try to learn from mistakes like that. Mm-hmm. Right again, terrestrial. Shout out terrestrial. I like them. Mm-hmm. Right, I really like them. I like the place a lot. I like the guys there a lot. Um, but I look at that and I try to think, you know, what lessons can I learn from something like that? Yeah, you know, for sure. You know, and I was thinking, you know, back to dog training. Like, if you like, when we <coughs> when I started working with you, twenty eighteen. Like, if you could go back, I'm sure you'd be like, hey, there's like a bunch of things that. I would not do that. I did back then that I don't do now, or yeah. I, I switched this thing up, you know, a million and, and you know, like the hot dog place, 95 years. I mean, like what 2018 was that six years ago, seven years ago. What is that now? Six, five, five. Okay. Five, even five years. That's a drop. So almost six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, that's a flash in the pan to that 95 years. That restaurant there was there or whatever, but it's like you can, you've changed so much in that five years to accommodate, what you see in in the dog training industry or Mm -hmm. anything in general. It's like you've seen what you could do better or the trends that that are coming in, you know, and you got to implement that. And your training program now is probably vastly, vastly different than when it was three years ago, four Mm -hmm. years ago, you know? And I mean, that's the, that's the testament of especially something like, like this field, you know, it's like, you have to adapt and you have to keep like on your, on the, on your toes on what's going on in the industry and, and how, um, what works, what doesn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, you know, when you first started training, you were probably throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, see what was sticking, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what you do when you, when you start out anyway, like you're trying to figure out how to do it the best. And yeah. then over the time you just figure out what is working. Yeah, and I think with this idea of coming up with these like VIP programs that we're going to be trying to announce come the new year, mm-hmm. this is going to be the first time in a very long time that we've actually made training changes to our program, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, we, we've made a lot of changes as far as like client experience and like things like that, but this yeah. is going to, but 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 it's all been within the same programs, you yeah, know? This sure. is going to be the first time we reformat the entire way we look at what is the perfect training program? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like, what is the perfect, like, if you had to sign up for one thing for your dog, Mm -hmm. right, with the absolute highest probability of success and the lowest chance that you're ever going to need to spend money, you know, again, on any of this kind of stuff, like, Mm -hmm. what would that look like? Yeah. And we're kind of trying to model it around that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. You know, because when I started, what, I think... (laughs) But you had like three different kind of board and train, like it was like different. Yeah, there was three of each. We had three different board and train options and we had three different one on one options. Yes. And and obviously like you figured out like we this is just an excess that people don't need. They just need this and this. Mm -hmm. And now it's like now that you've had that refinement of those services, it's like now we can have this one extra thing that's like, hey, everything that we've learned, like if this is the, the really like something that you want to do with your dog and never have to worry about it again, here you go. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a, that's a cool evolution to see, you know, it was yeah. like too much and then refinement. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably how most things go, honestly. Yeah. I think you want to be mindful to not refine too quickly and too fast. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then you'll just find yourself in this game of just constantly confusing your clients and followers and stuff of like mm-hmm. every other day, there's something different that they're offering yep. or something different that yeah. they're doing, which is, which is confusing. Yeah. Obviously you want to make slow and gradual changes over time mm-hmm. as you really have time to experiment with and like hash out the details of those changes you want to make. Yeah. If you want to maximize on the results, you yep. know, mm-hmm. Super important. Sure is. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, like this, you know, these last couple episodes of the year, you know, you're probably going to hear a lot of talks of this kind of stuff because that really is like where I know my personal head is at is coming into 2024. You know, mm-hmm. this is going to be now what 15 to 16 to 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. This is going to be year nine of me owning my own company, right? Mm-hmm. Or wait, 25 to 26. Yep, nine. No, no, no. It's been nine years because that oh. would be up to 24. Oh, okay. Would be nine years, right? Okay, so you're going into your decade. Holy. F- <laughs> Damn. 10 years of dogs, baby. Is that right? I don't know. Wait, 2015? Hold on, hold on. I got to look at the height. The Heights Canine Instagram, I think, has like the origin, the origin date on it. <laughs> 2015. 2015. Okay, so and nine. we started it in January of 2015. It was always at the beginning of the fiscal year. That's nine years then, because 24. So <laughs> 25 would be the tenth, ten years. No, wait, no. So 2015 to 2016, uh-huh. to 2017, to 2018, 18. to 19, to 20, to 21, to 22, to 23. You're mm. right. 24. I don't know where I was counting like- extra. <laughs> okay i was gonna say there's if yeah. this was actually 10 years i was like that actually had me panicked for a second because i was like <laughs> fuck me i was like i gotta like i gotta think of something cool for this year yeah <laughs> you know it's like a 10 year yeah, thing yeah right? now you got you you got you got another okay. year to think about it still though so so ninth year right mm-hmm. so so you know with that getting back to the original point right evolution is key Right. Yep. We put a lot of emphasis over the last couple of months to changes we can make from a social media standpoint. Now all of my attention is changes we can make within the company. Right. Yep. And to all you dog trainers listening to this, I know we get a decent amount of, you know, dog training companies, you know, owners of dog training companies that listen to this. 
Um, I've done, I've done four business consults in the last month. I think yeah. with different dog training businesses around. Right. But anyways, <clears throat> first and foremost, you are a business, mm-hmm. not an influencer. No. And if you keep that in mind and you act like a business owner, mm-hmm. you're going to keep evolving and then you'll be nine years in still succeeding. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think this, from, you know, on my own, my own stuff, you know. Um, what, I really started this in like 2020, mm-hmm. right? And it's like the evolution that I'm, I'm thinking of now. It's like, you know, I went from all small, like little bars to I'm working with Hilton, I'm working with MGM. Like I'm getting these bigger contracts. It's like the evolution Quick of... Quick name drop on two big yeah. ass fucking names you're working with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, just, yeah. you know, Hilton, just just MGM. Hilton. Yeah. yeah. And... <laughs> In talks with uh, Ritz Carlton has that. That's that's next. That's uh, quarter one next year. Yeah. But uh, you know, seeing the evolution of like, all right, how do I how do I take this to the next level? You know, and do I want to just keep doing the small restaurants the rest of my life, or do I want to grow this to something bigger? You know, and that's this is going into the fourth year, mm-hmm. and I think uh, it feels pretty good where I'm at so far. You know, I like that. And it, but it's the same thing. It's like, but there's always something, there's always you know. Something. And even if you don't make any big changes, as long as you've still yeah. got your eye on it, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even I'm if not saying points. every year you got to make big changes. No. But as long as you're looking at things through your magnifying glass, and constantly aware, keeping your mind open to change, mm-hmm. you'll do just fine. You yeah, because uh, you know, complacency <clears throat> is as uh, a terrible place to be. Yeah. You know. And uh, I think that's what kills a lot of people's like dreams or businesses. They they start like like the hot dog place. I hate to go back to the hot poor hot dog place, but it's the same thing. It's like complacency is what has got it on that show, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. For unfor- most unfortunate reasons. Yeah. You know, and I I'm sure you you know, we see that in the dog training world where people just they learned from a Learberg DVD fucking 15 years ago and that's still how they train and that's the that only was way. me yeah <laughs> I learned from the Learberg video yeah yeah but 12 <laughs> years ago or whatever yeah it was. 12 years ago but you know you 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 took that but you've took you've made it your some own. people stay too hung up on it yeah that's Man. what I mean so all right we're rambling yeah. I think <laughs> no, no no it's good yeah one last uh, little shout out here so every time we do the podcast generally when we're upstairs mm-hmm. I take my dogs and I stick them in their kennels which are back here through this door over that way, right? In mm-hmm. the basement. And obviously right now we're recording down here and I don't want them down here fucking 20 feet away from us. <laughs> so they're just chillaxing upstairs by themselves right now. Now listen. Yeah. You know, I always tell everybody like, you know, they, you know they're having well-behaved, everybody's dogs are a little annoying sometimes and this and that. And like, I don't really have any big issues with my dogs. Like this is nothing new. Mm-hmm. But I just want to, I just want everybody to know for this entire hour and 15 minutes we've been recording this podcast all four of my dogs are upstairs and not only are they upstairs but they're not engaged in command and they're also up there not getting into anything not making a whole racket not pacing around all frantic because we're down here the entire time and that comes down to the training modality i preach to everybody which is 
take your commands, throw them out the window, and just stop the behaviors that your dogs do that are inappropriate so that they can learn to make good choices on their own when they're not engaged in command. Mm -hmm. They could learn to make good choices on their own when they're not being directly supervised all the time. And because of that, their stress levels will come down. They will learn to coexist peacefully and harmoniously with each other in your home, which is exactly what everybody wants their dog to do. Yep. So I just want to put that out there so everybody knows this is possible, even with four dogs, even with a working line dog, two dogs that once upon a time tried to fucking kill each other, and a young little scruffy man. <laughs> young little scruffy man. So that's it. Yeah. So it's awesome. uh, you would like your multi dog household <coughs> dog household to be this well to be harmonious like yes. this. Yeah. Fill out our form at miraclecaninetraining.com. And tying it back into one additional point that we made earlier, mm-hmm. this also would not be possible unless you became the type of dog owner that wanted mm. your entire household under control, not just the one that was such a nuisance that it was yeah. not tolerable any longer. 100%. All dogs are held to the same standard because mm-hmm. that's who I am as a dog owner. So who are you going to become this coming new year? If I could drop this mic, I would. All right, that's it. We got to go. Okay, bye. <laughs>